Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, we want to talk to you about something that one gets missed often, even by therapists, and two, for some reason, this confuses parents when OCD doesn't show up as a fear, but it shows up as a feeling. And I did make a kid's YouTube video on this, and I will link it in the show notes, or you can go to my YouTube channel and find that, which is actually now easy to find because YouTube has changed and they have created handles. So kind of like Instagram, there's a handle now at YouTube. So if you go to YouTube and you just use at Natasha Daniels OCD therapist, you will find me. Isn't that pretty cool? You could just type in Natasha Daniels. You'll find me anyway. And then when you go to my channel, just search feeling, just a keyword. And if you have a keyword, it will pop up. But I wanted to do a podcast on this as well, because I did do a podcast on how to handle feelings of disgust. And that was episode 190, in case you want to go back. But I wanted to also do an episode where I just talk about in general what to do when our kids have intrusive feelings and not intrusive thoughts. And they might have both. You know, my kids have both. My daughter especially has both. But I think it's important to understand how it can show up because if they have that tendency to have an intrusive feeling and not fear, it can pop up in many different ways over time. And we'll talk about that as well. But before I get started, I do want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers a four effective, convenient therapy. They are available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And to schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is the right fit for you and your child, just go to treatmyocd.com. That is treatmyocd.com. And I'll leave a link in the show notes as well. Okay, so I'm going to break down this topic into two parts. So the first part, I want to talk about how this shows up in the different ways that it shows up. And remember, as a parent, if you have a child with OCD, you don't want to have tunnel vision and only focus on your child's particular subtype or theme because OCD is more often than not whack-a-mole. And your child or teenager or young adult will have morphed and changed OCD themes over time. And often, parents make a lot of progress with their kids in one area and they don't educate themselves in all the many vastly different looking ways OCD can pop up. And so they miss other things and the weeds start to grow and they get out of control before they realize, oh man, that's OCD in disguise as well. I don't want that to happen to you. And so that's why I am big on educating you on all different subtypes and themes. And even if it's not relevant in your world in life right now, you just want to soak up this information and put it away in your brain so that you have it. And, you know, you can notice things in your environment. Not that we want to be hyper-focusing on our kids to the point where we're not enjoying them, but knowledge can go a long way. So with that said, um, I'm breaking down this episode into four different subtypes that tend to present as more of a feeling than a fear. It's not all inclusive. So there could be other themes as well. And I want to talk about these four. And I also want to talk about what it's not, because often when I talk about OCD being a feeling and not a fear, I get some questions from parents that are common around this topic that veer off the appropriate track. They're kind of missing the whole point of what I'm talking about. And I don't want that to be you. So I'm going to touch on that as well. So I'm going to go over the main ones that I see, and that is the feeling of disgust the feeling that things just aren't just right, symmetry, the feeling that things need to feel balanced, and sensory motor. 
which is hyper-focusing on a bodily function, which can be blinking, breathing, bladder control, colon control. As far as pooping goes, it can be about your heartbeat, swallowing, any bodily function. And so we're going to dive into each one of those individually just to give you a better understanding of how those all show up. And then we'll talk in the second half of this podcast about what to do about it. Spoiler alert, it's all the same framework. And I think sometimes as parents, we have a hard time wrapping our brain around that. And so I'm going to talk about some concrete examples so you can see what I'm talking about when we talk about just like the general framework of OCD. What this is not about, and I just kind of want to preemptively discuss this before we dive into this topic, is that sometimes when we talk about these things, parents will start saying, well, my child has a lot of feelings about guilt and shame. And so maybe that they have an interest feeling, not fear. And that's different. And so A lot of our kids' intrusive thoughts can cause upsetting feelings. They can cause feelings of shame and guilt and embarrassment, anger. And those feelings are related to the content of the thought, but there's still an intrusive thought. And more often than not, there's a fear attached to that thought. I don't want to be this bad person. I feel like I'm a bad person, or I feel like I'm a disgusting person because I have gross thoughts and I don't want to be like that. And so it can create a feeling, and that's not what we're talking about in this particular episode. Those are important to recognize, the feelings that come with it. I did a whole episode on self-esteem. You can listen to as well. You can always go to my website at atparentingsurvival.com and scroll to the search button and write in a topic that I discuss here, and you'll find the podcast because all my podcast episodes and YouTube videos are on my website. And so if I ever just mention something like that, go to the search button, type self-esteem, and that one will pop up as well. But those are feelings and those are important, but that's not at the crux. That's not what's driving the core fear or core feeling. It is not the bottom of the rabbit hole. It's an element of it, right? Where what we're going to be talking about today is the bottom of the rabbit hole. It's like what is driving all the compulsions, all the avoidance, all the distress is that core feeling, disgust. doesn't feel just right. doesn't feel balanced or it feels weird. And so we're going to be talking about those things. So don't get confused and say, oh, my child has all this guilt. You know, I think maybe they have OCD. Uh, Their intrusive feeling is just guilt. No, no, you're not down at the bottom end of the rabbit hole. Now there's another theme. And I just want to say this before we dive into all the other stuff. There's a theme about feelings, (laughs) just to make your head spin a little bit more. And so I have worked with lots of kids who have intrusive fears about other people's emotions right? If you're not happy and you're near me, there's a belief around that. That's an intrusive fear. And it's different for each kid. It could be, if you're mad at me, you might harm me. And so I might have harm OCD that I might get hurt, even though there's no trauma or history, or your bad mood might be contagious. And then I might get it. And if I'm in a bad mood, then maybe I might hurt myself and I don't want to hurt myself. Now we're back at harm OCD again. Or I have this magical belief that something bad will happen if I have a bad emotion or if someone else has a bad emotion. So there can be core fears around feelings. But again, the core fear has a story attached to it. And that story will look different for each kid, but it is a core fear attached to the feeling. Does this make sense? I hope so. And so if your child has intrusive fears around people's feelings, that's not what we're talking about today. That goes in the other category. You'll know when we get to the second half of this episode that it doesn't really matter. So don't like, you know, make your head spin until it falls off. Because at the end of the day, the thing that I always teach parents is it doesn't matter. It's helpful to create effective exposures because when we really know the core fear, core feeling 
I can craft a much better exposure. I can really pinpoint and address the exact issue that is creating the ripple effect of all the compulsions and avoidance, but the framework is the same. And so if you're just missing the mark a little bit, it's okay. It's not going to make or break long-term progress. And we'll talk about that as we go into the second half of this podcast episode about therapeutic approaches to these things. But let's move a little bit more into education. So when I'm saying intrusive feeling, we're going to start with disgust. I'm going to break them down. Disgust can be about anything. So all of these topics, just like everything else with OCD, can be very different for each child and teenager. You know, OCD has these general common broad strokes, and that's why we can kind of name these subtypes. But why they show up, how they show up is very different and is very individualized to each person. And so with disgust, something triggers a disgust response. And that thing or that environment or that situation repulses the person to a level that is far more extreme than our average typical disgust response to the point where the person wants to spend a lot of their energy avoiding the situation, the person, the word, the image, the environment, whatever it may be, they want to avoid that because they feel disgusting. Now it can then shoot off into very common compulsions. You can have a child who has issues with disgust and they have to wash their hands because they feel like their hands are gross. They'll use words like it is just gross or nasty. They won't always use the word disgusting, but sometimes they will. And so they might have a germ issue, But if you don't really dive in to find out what that core fear is, you might be surprised that the core fear is actually a core feeling that just germs are gross. I'm not worried about dying. I'm not worried about getting sick. They just are gross. I don't want them on me. And so that's why even when we hit the core fear, we think we hit the core fear like germs. We think, okay, well, that's the core fear. My child says they're afraid of germs. They wash their hands all the time. They avoid things they think are germy. That's the core fear. It's not. That's like a couple layers above the core fear because what do germs mean to you? Are you afraid you're going to harm other people if you spread your germs? Are you afraid germs are going to make you sick? Are you afraid germs are going to make you die? Or are germs just gross and it just repulses you? So that's why it's so important to really try to find that core fear. I mean, you can always play defense and I have a whole YouTube video on offense and defense. You can search that one too, where Defense is just about how we respond to OCD and offense is poking back at OCD when OCD is sleeping, doing exposures, purposely upsetting OCD so that we can learn how to handle the discomfort that OCD often wants to bring to us. And so even if you don't get to the core, core feeling or core fear, there's still a lot of work to be done, but it's just really helpful to know what's driving it. So disgust can be anything. So my daughter has discussed, and this is a new theme for her, but She also has had other feeling fears. (laughs) And I say feeling fears because it's still a fear to have the feeling. Does that make sense? Not in the other way that I was talking about, like I'm afraid of people being sad or mad around me, but I don't think I can handle feeling disgusted. And so that's a fear. I fear feeling disgusted because I don't think I can handle it. And so that is ultimately a fear, but let's not, you know, split words. It's just semantics. And so She's had sensory motor issues. She has had sensory motor issues around her bladder and feeling like she needs to pee over and over again. And so it's not surprising that she has disgust because it's another feeling. And she also has been having some feelings around things not feeling just right. And this is a brand new thing that's just been happening the last few weeks. She's been spitting after she brushes her teeth. And because she's been trained and educated and she took my kids course, I forced her to take my kids course. I I forced both my kids to take my kids course on crushing OCD because even though I feel like they know stuff, it's like 
a lot of times they surprise me and they don't remember things or they never learned it for some reason. I have no idea. But she did take the course. And so she was able to identify. She came out of the bathroom the other day and she said, Mom, I think I have an OCD thing around spitting. Now, OCD around spitting is a very common compulsion that she does not know. I don't think anyone talked about spitting in the OCD class. So the OCD course has 12 kids and they talk about their struggles and they talk about using their skills. And so they kind of help me teach kids throughout the course, but no one talked about spitting now that I think about it. You know, there's a lot of vastly different examples. And we actually have a girl in that class, a teenager who does talk about her core issue is disgust. And she spends a lot of time actually talking in that class, which I think really helps because there are kids who feel like, and actually this girl said this in the course, she said, my therapist and my mom just kept asking me, what's your core fear? And I said, there is no core fear. It's just that it's disgusting. And it was frustrating for her, it sounded like, because people were just trying to find that core fear. And she was at the bottom of the rabbit hole. She's like, it's because it's disgusting. And that can really stop treatment or that can prevent like progress because people are getting frustrated that there's nothing behind that and people keep asking them or putting their own narrative and their own stories on why it's disgusting or why that upsets somebody so that it fits into the core fear where it doesn't have to. So if you're interested in that course, just by the way, you can go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com and check out all my courses. I have ones for parents, but people have asked me to do one for kids directly. And so for kids and teens, I have that crushing OCD course as well. And we do have lots of examples of these feeling issues. And also we have intrusive fear issues as examples. So my daughter came out and she was like, I'm spitting and I think it's OCD. And thank goodness she said that because I'm not there when she's brushing her teeth. That could have been, that weed could grow and grow and grow. And I wouldn't know. And that's why it is so important for us to educate our kids about helping themselves because ultimately we're not there 24 seven. We're not in their heads. And if they're not knowing all these different themes and how to tackle them because we're trying to cocoon them or we don't want them to, you know, catch a theme, quote unquote, we worry about them knowing anything beyond what they're already struggling with. We rob them of the opportunity to actually catch these things early. And so I said to her, you know, instead of jumping in and telling her why she has that, we never want to assume. And so I said, well, what do you think OCD is telling you? Like, why do you need to spit? And again, spitting as a compulsion, the compulsion is a symptom. So think of a compulsion or an avoidance as a fever. We can have fevers for all sorts of reasons. The fever doesn't tell us anything. It just tells us that there's something going on. So you can have a person who is spitting as a compulsion. I actually should do like a podcast on just spitting. That's such a common one, but they can spit and it could be for any core fear or core feeling. It could be, I'm afraid I got germs in my mouth. That's a really common one. It could be, I think I tasted poison, but for her, it was, I just didn't feel like I got all the toothpaste out and it felt gross. So again, we're going back to a feeling, sensory motor. It was a little bit of a just right. It just doesn't feel right. And disgust was kind of combining all of those actually. And she actually just was spitting yesterday (laughs) and she went and she was spitting in the kitchen sink. And I was saying, you know, maybe you can try to just sit with the discomfort and not spit anymore. And she spit again. So you win some, you lose some. But just her awareness of that is a good start. So disgust can be anything for her. Disgust is hairballs. It is mayonnaise and ketchup on her knife when she's putting it on her bread. She likes it on her bread, but she gets really grossed out by it for some reason. I have no idea. It can be pretty random what disgusts her, but a lot of times it is the kitchen sink. So things that are gross and dirty already tend to disgust her on another level. It didn't before. So it's new things because just because someone is naturally disgusted by something doesn't mean it's OCD. I think that's where we get a little too gung-ho where we're like, my child is disgusted, so they must have OCD. 
No. You know, they might naturally get disgusted by something and then they develop compulsions around it. So they might have to drastically avoid anything that's related to it. Or like my daughter couldn't take a shower if she saw a hairball. That became an issue for her. She would gag and it was gross and she couldn't handle it. Couldn't do the dishes where before she was able to do the dishes. And so it was like new behaviors. So that's disgust. The girl in the course talked about disgust and for her disgust was around dead things. Um, And I've had people who were disgusted by dust and things that got dusty. So with that girl in the course, you know, things that were dead were disgusting, but then it was like even just like thoughts of things that were disgusting or going into water like a lake because things could die in the lake. So you can see where that goes way above and beyond the average person's view of being disgusted. It's a bigger circle that grows and grows and grows and becomes overwhelming. All right, moving on, because I don't want to spend too much time on each one of these. Just right OCD is just what it sounds like. It just doesn't feel right. And that can show up in anything. So you can have a person who's overwiping over and over again, and you might think it's because of germs. They don't want to have pee or poop on them. But it might just not feel just right. You might even think it's disgust because, you know, there's poop. I don't want to get poop on me. And so maybe it's a feeling of disgust or maybe it's a feeling of I don't want to get germs on me because I don't want to get other people sick. People can overwipe for lots of reasons. So overwiping, again, is the fever. But what's the core fear or feeling? And sometimes it just doesn't feel right. I just still feel dirty. I just still feel dirty. So I just need to keep wiping. I just need to keep brushing my teeth. And part of that is physiologically, part of the circuitry in the brain that gets affected with OCD is a regulation circuitry where you learn, you know, your hygiene is done. And so there's like this messaging that happens in the brain. It's actually fascinating when you look at the part of the brain that's impacted by OCD and the different roles and responsibilities that part of the brain does. You know, anxiety is the amygdala, but the basal ganglia is the OCD issue. And people, you know, they kind of smush them together, which annoys me. But what the basal ganglia does, and I, you know, I would love to go into like neuroscience more than I did in my world. So it's not my world. So take everything I'm saying with a huge grain of salt. But it's interesting to see like what that brain does. And a lot of it is grooming. It's like shutting the on and off switch, you know, giving the brain the message that you're done or that it's complete. The moral aspect is there. There's different parts of the brain that control that. And it's not a coincidence that those are the subtypes of a lot of OCD thoughts and feelings. I find that fascinating. So even when you are dealing with pandas and pans and there's inflammation in the brain and in that circuitry in the basal ganglia, it's not surprising that it's impacting some of those areas like hunger or food or appetite and things like that. We're dealing with that with my son right now. So just right could be anything. I feel like I'm not wiping enough, that it doesn't feel right when I'm locking the door. So I have to keep locking them over and over until it feels just right. Or I have to do anything over and over again. I've washed my hands until it feels just right and shower until it feels just right. Literally anything. So that's just right. And it's a feeling. Symmetry is, you know, I just need to feel balanced on both sides. And so sometimes this gets confused with sensory and sensory motor can get confused with sensory as well. And it doesn't mean that they are mutually exclusive. You can have an issue that OCD will glom onto. OCD loves to hijack issues. And so if you have tics, which is common with OCD, it can make you to have teretic tics that say, I'll just take your tics and maybe I'll add a little bit of me in there. Or you can have sensory issues or sensory processing disorder. And then OCD is like, this is great. I can make this a little bit of a just right issue or a symmetry issue or a sensory motor issue, whatever. 
let me join the party. And so it's not one or the other. A lot of times it's both, but with symmetry, they want the balance. And so it needs to feel even on both sides. And it can get very severe where someone has to touch everything with one hand and then the other. And that can be really immobilizing and limiting. So that's symmetry. And again, it's a feeling. And now with any of these, you can always sprinkle in magical thinking that says, if it's not balanced, something bad will happen. But that's not always the case. A lot of times the core fear is I'm not going to be able to handle the feeling of imbalance. It's going to be too overwhelming, too distracting, and I won't be able to handle it. And so that is the actual core fear is I won't be able to handle it. And the last one is sensory motor. So we touched a little bit on this already, but that's just really hyper-focusing on a bodily function. And so I might focus on my breathing and I might worry that my breathing feels weird. I can have sensory motor and add another fear to it. I might worry, what if I stop breathing or what if my heartbeat stops? And so with those, you can have a second layer of a fear. It's still a feeling because I'm really hyper-focusing on a bodily function and how it feels, but I might add to the narrative that I might stop breathing or my heart might stop beating. And so I might have to ask people, am I breathing? Or I might have to physically check my heartbeat and put my hand to my chest or do something like that. Um, I might worry that I'm choking. I might have a sensation that there's something stuck in my throat, which is a common anxiety issue. But then OCD might glom onto that and might make me feel like there's something stuck in my throat. And there's still a fear there because then I might be like, what if I choke? What if I die? What if there's something stuck in my throat? And so I might have to cough all the time or sniff all the time. Another sensory motor one, actually, that my daughter has. Gosh, now that I think about it, she has a lot of sensory motor stuff. She has a lot of feeling stuff. She's been over overblowing her nose. And that's another one that I've seen in my practice too. And she's been getting bloody noses. And it took me a little while to realize it's because she is constantly blowing her nose because she feels like she's not getting enough air in. Now, it's not that she's worried about dying or worried about suffocating. She doesn't like the feeling. And so you can have kids who are more sensitive inside and out and do have some sensory issues, but then they develop compulsive behaviors. And so her blowing her nose all the time and trying to clear her nose has caused bloody noses. It's caused ongoing problems. Instead of learning how to sit with the discomfort because it's a perception issue, her nose will be completely clear, but she'll feel like if she can feel anything at all in it, it's not good. And she's also a picker, you know, and so she also feels her skin. And if she can feel a scab, she needs to pick them. So a lot of sensory things that are turning into OCD and also body-focused repetitive behaviors. So that's sensory motor. It could be also the bladder, like the need to pee. And with sensory motor, a lot of times people can put a fear attached to it. And so you can have a hyper-focused bladder, which also makes sense because some of us With anxiety, we'll have an anxious bladder, and so it will send us that message more often that we need to pee, and then OCD can glum onto it and create a lot of excessive peeing behavior, and then it moves into checking behavior to check to see if your bladder is full, so some people bear down, they push on their bladder. These are things you wouldn't notice as a parent, and it can cause a lot of internal damage depending on how much they're doing this, because you can also have this with pooping, where people feel like, It's not fully clear, they haven't fully gotten everything out, or they feel pressure, you know, perceived pressure in their bottom, and so they're constantly on the toilet. Again, that's a feeling, not a fear. They might attach something to it, like, I don't want to have an accident or be embarrassing, so a loss of control or something like that, but the overall thing is a feeling. So sensory motor can sometimes have a fear attached to it as well, where the other things I talked about are pretty firmly just in a feeling, but it's good for you to know. Okay, when I get back, I'm going to be talking to you about how do we handle these things? As parents, you know, these aren't fears. So what do we do? Because we know how to handle fears, but what about these feelings? So stay tuned and I'll be right back. 
It's time we put help directly in our kids' hands. Introducing Crushing OCD Course for Kids and Teens. It was way more helpful than all the other therapy we've ever done because we didn't really know what to do. So we weren't really doing it before. So the course helped to figure out what the exposures are and how to do them. We're not in therapy and find it really hard um, to find an ERP trained therapist here. Um, So we're currently with like the public health service, but again, they don't seem to be trained in ERP. It's filled that gap that we don't have that was desperately needed. This was really well timed for us to use between therapists and to help us like start get off to a good start with this new practice it was easy to use Um, i was able to do it from my phone or also on the computer there's different ages you know so there were younger kids there were teenagers and um so that was really nice too to have a variety of ages where it wasn't just geared towards younger kids or older kids it was a nice variety it's helpful for our kids to hear it from this like third party as opposed to just us saying it. I really like the offense and defense method. I love working on poking at OCD while it's sleeping. It makes it a little bit easier to do and it's kind of fun. <laughs> I'm planning on using it to work on my uh, fear of like holding or touching batteries and stuff like that. So it was really helpful and I think a lot of other kids would like it. I thought that I was like the only one who had worrying about the weather and stuff. And then there was somebody else on there who worried about the same thing, which was really helpful. Seems less scary to work on stuff now that I've watched this class and I'm more interested to work on it. I like trying to do more exposures still and going to, before I wasn't, I just didn't want to do them. I've worked on some of my bigger compulsions and been successful. I realized it was helpful to do like the exposures before it was like really, really hard. It's still hard, but it's helpful to know that I need to do them. Before there would be a lot of battles about it. So it is definitely less loggerheads. Really, really good course and super helpful. Definitely would recommend this. It's really easy to follow. It's in nice bite-sized videos. I really like the worksheets that go along with it. And I think it's really helpful. To learn more about this course and register your child or teen, go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. All right, welcome back. So how do we do exposures for this? So one of the gold standard approaches for OCD is doing ERP, exposures with response prevention. And a lot of parents will say to me, I don't know how to do an exposure around a feeling. And sometimes I think we overthink these things because parents will also say that about intrusive thoughts, which is confusing to me because all OCD is intrusive thoughts. Some people will say, my child has intrusive thought OCD. And it's like saying my child has diabetic diabetes. (laughs) You're like, that doesn't make any sense. But OCD is not understood. And so the gist of any OCD approach is to help our kids learn how to handle the discomfort that OCD is bringing to them, regardless of whether it's a fear or a feeling. It's getting them to not do the compulsions. So the defense, I talk about offense and defense often, the defense with OCD is OCD wants me to avoid and do compulsions. And pulling back on defense is learning how to delay, well, maybe first identify what avoidance and compulsions I'm doing to grow OCD. 
And then the second part would be, you know, baby steps. Can I delay doing those compulsions? And then can I ignore doing those compulsions or some of them? And can I stop growing more compulsions as I'm starting to decrease the compulsions that I am doing? And then can I not do them at all? And then can I do the opposite? When OCD comes knocking and says, ew, that's disgusting. Don't touch it. Can I go in and touch it on purpose and do the opposite? And so in my OCD class, I teach levels, you know, that you want to show up to the game or the battle, whichever analogy you prefer. And when OCD offers a challenge, you know, you're playing chess and OCD makes a move, your move back is to pick one of those levels. And that's what I teach in my class for kids. And I actually teach that in my parenting class too, because you have to understand how to coach your child and you can't coach a child when you don't know what you're doing yourself, right? (laughs) It doesn't work that way. So that's defense. And then offense is let me poke at this bear when it's not happening. And I think that that's the part that parents maybe stumble on more, but it really is the same no matter what we're talking about. So if it's discussed, you know, defense is the compulsion happening. And I think that that's the part that parents maybe stumble on more, but it really is the same no matter what we're talking about. So if it's discussed, you know, defense is the compulsion. If I say to my daughter, go take a shower and she goes to a shower and my hair just falls out nonstop. I have very thick hair. And so it's like a mini hamster. (laughs) So gross, right? It's a mini hamster every time I take a shower. Like I could probably make a wig for somebody within a week. And so sometimes to be honest with you, I'll just take my foot and move my hair off the drain and leave it there. And then I'll clean it like once a week. Sorry, but that's the truth. I'm in a hurry. I got to help you, right? I got things to do, people to see. And so she likes to take a shower in my shower because it's downstairs and hers is upstairs. That's fine. But defense would be she goes, takes a shower and she sees that. And this is what happened initially that made me understand that she had this issue. She saw my mini gerbil in progress growing. And it's not that gross, to be honest. It's like not that big. But she said, ew, I can't go in there. I can't take a shower. So OCD is showing up and is saying she can't shower in there. And so defense would be go shower in there anyway. You know, yes, it's uncomfortable. It will provoke the feelings of disgust, but go in there and shower anyway. And over time, we've built up to the point where she's able to actually physically move it and throw it in the trash and get on with her day. And so that's defense because I'm not putting the hairball there on purpose. I really am not. I mean, sometimes I'll think to move it and now I won't on purpose just because I want her to build those tolerance skills, but that's defense. And then offense is how do we trigger that on purpose? And so I want to find activities that are going to get in the way of her daily functioning, you know, especially with these type of things. And so we might have her do the dishes on purpose as an exposure. And so we're picking an activity that will elicit the feeling of disgust on purpose so she can earn points and learn to do something that is a daily skill that she will have to do in life, but knowing that that's going to trigger her OCD. So that's an exposure. For just right OCD, I'm just going to go through these just to give you some examples. Just right OCD, again, defense might be that... Maybe someone's washing their hands and it feels like there's just soap or residual on there. It just doesn't feel right. And so they want to go wash their hands again. So defense would be, okay, OCD is knocking. And so what can I do in this situation? This is kind of what I walk through kids in my OCD class. And the nice thing is like other kids give all their examples of the different themes so that it doesn't matter what the theme is. And I say this a lot, it's plug and play. It's like, you have this intrusive thought or feeling, defense is this, offense is that. It doesn't matter what the topic is, but people get tripped up on this and kids do too. And so 
I might say, I'm going to try to delay washing my hands again, see if I can sit with the discomfort of it not feeling just right. And maybe over time, I can ignore it completely, right? That's defense. It's defense because OCD is knocking and I'm responding to OCD. Now, if I wanted to knock at OCD, I might do something that doesn't feel just right on purpose. And so I might wash my hands and I might leave a little bit of residual soap on purpose. And then now I have to feel that discomfort so that I can learn how to handle that. And that's building my OCD muscles, building my tolerance to that discomfort. And so you can replace that with any example of just right, you know, get creative and think about it. In a perfect world, I like to think of things that are realistic with feelings, you know, things that they're going to have to do, like my daughter will have to do the dishes. So, you know, it's good for us to practice doing exposures around something that would be a skill that she needs to have. If it's laundry and people handling the laundry and it feels disgusting, that would be a great use of time is to do an exposure around laundry, finding things that are related to real life activities so that we are growing their ability to function in society is key. You may not be able to do that. And certainly when we talk about intrusive thoughts and we're doing exposures around those things, you know, we don't do that. I don't want to say as often, but I'm saying like sometimes our exposures can be really bizarre and weird. But with feelings, I feel like We can elicit those feelings as an exposure in environments and situations and tasks that they normally have to do. And that makes it more realistic. It makes it more helpful long-term. So symmetry OCD. Again, defense would be if I bump one side of my body and my OCD is saying, now you need to bump the other side. I'm going to sit with the discomfort. Maybe I will delay it and maybe I can eventually ignore it. That's defense. OCD is knocking and I'm going to respond. And symmetry OCD, even though it sounds pretty mild, can get very severe. You can have someone who breaks a bone on one side and they need to break it on the other side. It can get very severe. So even though that one seems like a mild inconvenience when it starts, it can grow and it is something that needs to be addressed, in my opinion. For offense, right, to hit OCD when it is not knocking, I would have kids purposely imbalance themselves. I had one girl and she came up with her own exposure, which I think is the best when kids come up with their own. And she put fake nails on one side of her hand and not the other. Now that would drive me crazy. And I don't have symmetry OCD. I might have a flavor of it to be honest, but definitely like subclinical. I do like things very symmetrical. It like appeals to me, but it's subclinical. (laughs) Now that I think about it, because I do, I have a little bit of a tendency to want things. If you come into my house, you'll see like pictures and they're like in twos and threes and things are balanced. So there is a little bit of that, but it's not a clinical issue. But to wear fake nails on one hand and not the other would drive me nuts. And that was her idea. It was a great idea. I've had kids where they've just like tightened one shoe more than the other to sit with the discomfort. And so those are offense approaches because OCD is not bothering them. They're coming up a way to bother OCD and build their skills to handle the discomfort. Sensory motor, just talk about that one as our last one. So defense would be OCD wants me to go pee again. And this is what we did with my daughter. She would write down, first we did rule out medical, always good to rule out medical. That's an important thing. I did just find out, so she has celiac, and I did just find out that there's a couple of things that I think are medical actually related to her, but she is uh, pre-diabetic. Diabetes is rampant in my family, you know, and frequent urination, that's part of diabetes. She doesn't have diabetes, but that's something to think about. She also has like hyperflexibility, like her arms can bounce the other way. And so I do worry about EDS and other issues that can actually impact the bladder. But I mean, we did rule out, she has had UTIs and stuff, but we did rule out bladder functioning with the doctor before kind of seeing it as OCD. But I think it's important to also recognize that our kids can have health issues or reasons why they might have an anxious bladder or they're overly sensitive to their bodily functions or other things that we're just talking about. 
And OCD can still glom onto that. Like you can be allergic to peanuts, but then you can develop OCD around the fear of having an allergic reaction. The allergic reaction is real, but OCD can glom onto that. You can have some medical issues that do make you maybe frequently have to pee, but then OCD will glom onto that and make her frequently pee even more than she would normally because nobody needs to pee 50 times an hour. It was that bad. Or that we can't go on a road trip because every five minutes she'd have to pee or that she'd have to press down on her bladder and push really hard to see if her bladder is full or empty. That's checking behavior and that's firmly in the OCD category. And so we would play defense where she would remember how long ago she went to the bathroom and she'd have to wait at least a half hour, which is fine. Even if you have an anxious bladder or you have an overreactive bladder, just learning to handle that discomfort. Often for her, the feeling and sensation would go away. Sometimes she'd pee and then she'd have to go right back and pee again and then go right back and pee again over and over again. And so defense was delaying that. Offense was she would come up with an amount of time that she wouldn't pee and she would stick with it. It would be an exposure, a challenge. I'm not going to pee for two hours starting right now. And then of course, OCD is like, what? And then it would make her want to pee right away. And so she'd have to learn how to handle that discomfort. Other sensory motor issues, if you are worried about your breathing, a lot of times kids will do like a deep breathing thing I've seen or a cough. And so they would try to delay that deep breathing, eventually ignoring the need to do that when they get that thought that says, I don't know if you've taken enough air in yet. You should breathe again. And then offense might be doing exposures where they have to breathe through a straw. Or if they're worried about their nose being plugged, they have to like maybe for 10 minutes, they use a swimmer's plug and they plug their nose and they have no air coming in their nose, which actually would completely bother me. (laughs) So some of these would bother anybody, but it's learning how to handle the discomfort and building up your skills. So I kind of rushed through that, but I hope that this gives you a flavor of what to do. And it's not different from having an intrusive fear. And I hope that you're seeing that because we always want to teach our kids. We're playing offense and defense. And so defense is what you do when OCD comes knocking and offense is what you do when OCD is not knocking. And ideally we want to be able to do both. If your child's not ready for offense, at least work on defense. What can you do when OCD wants you to avoid that thing because it's disgusting? You know, can you inch your way closer to it over time? And so teaching our kids both offense and defense, watch my YouTube video on that can be helpful. If you want to dive really deep, check out my course. It's Crushing OCD Course for Kids and Teens. You can find it at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. I think it's really important for us to empower our kids to help themselves and it can help you to get your own education and take my How to Teach Kids to Crush OCD course as the parent supplement to the kids course and both grow your skills because once you grow your skills, you're going to realize, and this is what I teach in the kids course, no matter what your theme is, because it will change over time, your relationship with OCD And the dance you do with OCD is the same. And so, yeah, themes are important because my exposures are going to be really good if I know exactly what that core fear is. If I know my daughter is having a hard time with her nose, she's blowing her nose because she doesn't like the feeling of her nose being blocked. The exposure that I might do with her because of that is going to be very different than if she's blowing her nose because she wanted to make sure all of the germs are out of her nose because she might be breathing in particles from me spraying cleaning product, right? So the exposure is going to be vastly different if she is cleaning her nose out to rid herself of a contamination. Me plugging up her nose is actually probably going to be helpful, right? So if the core fear is she's spraying cleaning fluid and I'm afraid little particles are getting into my nose, even though I'm in a completely different room because OCD is not rational, me saying, let's do an exposure and block up your nose is actually going to be a compulsive thing. They're going to be like, yeah, that's great. Let's block up my nose. So every time you clean, can I block up my nose and do an exposure? 
Now I've just done a compulsion in disguise versus if I know the core fear is I can feel stuff in my nose still, then plugging up the nose is perfect because then it feels like there's something on your nose or you can't breathe fully. And that's part of your issue. So that's where getting to the core fear or core feeling is really helpful, but then you don't want to get stuck on that. You want to still zoom back out and say, this is all still the same pattern. It's offense, defense. There's nothing different going on regardless of literally any intrusive thought or feeling or image or song or whatever is getting stuck in the head because it's all about something getting stuck in the head and then people needing to do or avoid stuff to get brief relief. It's the same framework no matter what. So I hope that you found this helpful. If you have, don't forget to hit a star on iTunes, Google Play or Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcast and let people know that you appreciated it. If you have a few extra seconds and you can leave a review, you know, I really appreciate that to the point where I like to read one if a new one is there, which I just checked and I don't think I see a new one. The last one I think was October 31st. And I think I already said thank you to ML Sweeten. who wrote thankful, extremely helpful for parents with newly diagnosed child with OCD and anxiety. So I think I already read yours, but thank you again. If you write one, I'll be reading yours for sure next time. So don't forget to find a sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.